This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome, everyone, to the show this week. Do thank you very much for uh, joining us here as we go over what's probably been one of the more consequential weeks for the Blue Jackets in recent memory here. Um, I mean, we last week's show, we covered a lot of the draft stuff. We covered the uh, Seth Jones trade. So we're, we're not really going to rehash that. Uh, but again, big times there. What we do want to mention, first of all, as we start things off here, is final week of the summer games, uh, the Olympics. Let me tell you what our friends at DraftKings are doing. Uh, DraftKings have free play-to-pools that are available every day at the Tokyo Games, offering a free shot of up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. It's up to $50,000 up for grabs, and the best part is it's free to play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN. Again, it's at the Hockey Podcast Network for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. All right, folks. We're jumping into it. We're jumping right in with the beer of the week. I'm excited for it. It's called West Mall. There you go. This thing's made by Monks uh, Trappist Ale. These monks make it at the Trappist Abbey under the supervision of monks. The income is used for the daily life and to, man- and to maintain the abbey. A major share of the profits is, is donated to charities. West Mail is bottle, what is that? Bottle conditioned and contains live yeast. Oh, there we go. We're getting some live yeast today, folks. Cannot open it with my hand. I don't know why I thought I could. We're going to go for it here. I'm excited. Ooh. There you go, right there. Oh. That is an ale with a strong scent, or with a strong flavor, my friends. That is an ale that is closer to an IPA as far as the strength. My goodness. That is something else. It's good. There's a lot of flavor in there. It, uh, it attacks the center of your mouth with that, that yeast and the hop and the, mm. It's good. It would be a slow drinking beer for me. I'm going to tell you that. It, some weeks you, you look at this and every five seconds I'm taking a drink or whatever the beer of the week is. Not this one. So that's West Mall Trappist Ale. Uh, so, again, we'll be sipping this one. That's okay. we got a lot of things to celebrate this week. Big story of the week. Zach Wierenski signs a six-year extension to stay in Columbus, a six-year, $57.5 million contract. Well done, Yarmo. Well done. Where, When this got announced, um, there were two predominant 
stories that I was seeing on Twitter. One, people saying it was an overpay, but the other, and the one I saw a lot too, was Jackets fans just ecstatic at it. I was ecstatic at it. And I'm not going to lie. Some of it is the reality that the Blue Jackets, when there's been a star they've wanted to keep, for some reason, the last few years, it just hasn't happened. So for there to be a player like Zach Wierenski that said, you know what? Especially after the week the Blue Jackets just had. Because remember, they trade Seth Jones. They get draft picks. They trade away Cam Atkinson. Um, I mean, it really looks like the team is saying we're doing a rebuild. And that's when... It, this is a really interesting part of all this. Um, I want to see if the, the story I had here was a quote. Um I mean, one of the quotes from him was, the city of Columbus has been so good to me. It's close to my home and my family. And I, as I thought about it, it really was a no-brainer. I'm a blue jacket. I want to continue to be a blue jacket and do everything I can to bring a Stanley Cup here. Uh, something else he mentioned was, he, you know, there had been like minor discussions before this week with his agent. But what he saw this week is what made him go that, that extra mile and say, yes, I want to go be a blue jacket. This is where I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to stay with the team long term. That tells you he buys into whatever plan's going on here with Yarmo. Uh, he buys into these, into the into the idea here. Um, and I, I couldn't be happier. I'm super excited. Uh, if you've you know if you've been if you follow along, if you're a, a fan of the advanced metrics folks, um, you know there's been uh, a lot of discussion about how good uh, Seth Jones really was. And I'll be honest, I, I saw someone else put this out on Twitter, and I think I, I definitely agreed with it. The idea that if a couple of years ago you'd asked me to pick which star was going to say I want out, either Seth Jones or Zach Wierenski, I would have picked, you know, Zach Wierenski's going to or Seth Jones is going to say Zach Wierenski's going to want to go to somewhere else. That's not the case. That's not the case at all. Zach wanted to stay. And honestly, I think it's a really good deal. Um, when you pull up, I'm pulling up his numbers with uh, his his chart on evolving hockey here. Uh, if you watch the video version of the show, which I think is an awesome thing to do because it's a great way for me to try and I, I try and do some things visually on there that I can't normally do uh, on on other parts of the show here. But when you look when when they look at his numbers, so Zach Wierenski, his offensive numbers, when you look at the advanced underlying metrics, he's in the 90th percentile for defensemen in the league. His defense, 46%. So right around 50, right? He's right around an average defenseman. But that high-end offensive scale is what really takes him to that high level. Because here's the thing. When he has the puck, guess what the other team doesn't have? The puck. If he's scoring goals, he's doing he's doing exactly what he needs to do. Um the, the the metric they're looking at, the uh, goals above replacement, his expected goals above replacement, um, and this, this was over a three-year span. Uh, I guess I could do it for a one-year span, and we'll do the most recent year here. Uh, but if you look at his numbers in the most recent season even, his offense, 83rd percentile as far as offense, his defense, 64th percentile, so really good. Uh, his expected goals above replacement last year, he was, dear heavens, he had to be over 10 expected goals above replacement. And then his expected goals against, uh, or no, his expected goals above replacement on offense, over 10. Uh, on defense, it was around one and a half to two there. Um, 
But I mean, that's the thing. You've got a guy who is playing better than average defense or average and playing spectacular offense on that defensive line, that defensive mode. This is the kind of player you want, especially when you start talking about who else you're bringing into the mold here. Heard a really good conversation else when Luke N had where she said in previous years with the Blue Jacks defense between the three different defensive groups, uh, what you kind of saw was a change in identity from one to the next. Uh, especially when you talk about how last year the top pair was that Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, and then the second pair was David Savard and um, Vladislav Gavrikov. You're really going from an offensive def- set of defensemen to a defensive set of defensemen. She was saying, and I think she's probably right, between I was talking about Adam Boquist and uh, Bean joining the team, that what you're going to see is trying to be consistent, that all three pairs of defensemen are going to have the same profile in how they play. That doesn't mean they're all three going to be obviously as effective as each other, but the idea is that every set of def- every time a different defensive pair goes on the ice, the other team is going to have to deal with the fact that one of those defensemen is an offensive force. So I think that's the idea here. Um, so I'm super excited about it. I'm really interested to see where this goes. Again, a couple different reasons. We have a guy who just outright says, I want to be a Blue Jacket. I'm excited about being a Blue Jacket. And it's been too long since we've had that. It really has. So that's really cool. Then, oh, and... I wanted to read this. It was a it was a little Twitter thread from uh, Daniel Ducart. He's been on the show before uh, on Twitter at Daniel underscore Ducart, and it was about people on Twitter talking about oh Zach's being overpaid and blah blah blah. He tweeted this little thread, and I'll clean up where he goes into some some four letter words here for the for the show because we try and be family friendly here. The lack of nuance we have regarding contracts in 2021 is staggering. Is Wierenski making a bit hair more than a uh, hair a bit more than Makar? Yes because CBJ bought like five unrestricted free agent seasons, which normally are more expensive. Is he making more than Jones? Yes. My guy is 24 years old and signed through age 30, not a 26-year-old through 34. That's the other thing. We're buying younger years on Zach Wierenski. Anyway, I think the CBJ paid a hair bit more than they needed to to keep Wierenski, but it's hilarious to me that people are dunking on this contract and not the checks notes. Dozens of legitimately crappy contracts handed to crappy players like two days ago. Hockey Twitter... This is the idea is they're saying this. Wow, the Blue Jackets will pay any amount of money to keep players in Columbus. Yarmo, literally, I wouldn't pay Bobrovsky, Duchesne, jo- Johansson, Anderson, etc. big money to stay here. And that's that's the truth of it. Uh, Yarmo picks his spots to go big. The, I think it is well known around this league that whatever Timmy Panarin is making right now in New York, he would have made more dollars and had a higher cap hit if he'd stayed in Columbus. And I think there's a bit of pettiness here that I find very fun. Uh, that in the cap hit, uh, Zach Wierenski's cap hit is going to be 9.5. So so Seth Jones' cap hit is going to be 9.5. Zach Wierenski's is going to be 9.583, which is 8 is Wierenski's number, 3 was Jones' number. I, I, I almost wonder if that was done both as a touch of pettiness, but I, I kind of wonder in the back of my head if there was just a little bit there of, of the Blue Jackets wanting it so that every time there's a list of the highest paid defensemen in the league, because they knew they were going to go high on Wierenski. That's just what was going to happen. The guy was, you know, he was, he was, he was hitting his final year of, of RFA status. Um, we needed to get, I think he had one more year of RFA after that, but we needed to get a big deal to keep him here long-term. So they went big. And I think there was a thought of, you know, if people think the Blue Jackets won't pay, if we're paying them 9.5 anyway, why not do that little extra so that when they're showing the list of highest paid defensemen in the league, the Blue Jackets are third and it's right above Seth Jones. 
so that people can, so we can point to people and be like, it's not money. If you come to Columbus and you earn it, we'll pay you. And I, I wonder if that was part of it here. I, it's just my thought there. All right. Next player who decided he wants to stay in Columbus, Boone Jenner. Boone. Anyway, uh, essentially kept his cap hit and just extended it for four years. Um, staying at $3.75 million. Honestly, I remember when they said that Boone Jenner was signing an extension, there were, I, I saw some people saying, oh, his cap hit better have gone down. I'm fine with it staying where it is. He is what he is. He is a scrappy, hard playing player. He's a middle six player. Uh, he's not going to score you tons of goals, but when he does, they're going to be greasy goals. He's going to get in there. He's going to hit people. And he's an identity guy for this group. Um, again, when you're bringing in a lot of young guys, which the Blue Jackets are, you want guys to point to and be like, this is the identity of this team. This is what we want people to think. We, we want you to be hard workers. We want you to be in there. These are the kind of guys that when all of a sudden Igor Chenikov is in the, you know, in practices and, and you start bringing up your, you know, the picks from this year and all that. These are the guys you want them looking at and saying, that's kind of the idea of what we we're going for here, guys. That's what we're doing. So I'm happy about it. Um, it will probably keep Boone here. I mean, he's 28 now. So when this contract is over, he'll be, what, 33? Maybe he signs another contract somewhere for a year or two. Maybe he does kind of a one- or two-year deal some different places. I don't know. We'll see what he does. Um, but I'm, I'm happy that Boone's staying. Uh, I think it's great for the team franchise to have a long-term guy who's still around, especially after Cam was gone. Uh, the idea that we're going to have someone around long-term. Although, if you're thinking like I am, uh, we're... I, last year, I was thinking about buying a, a jersey with a player's name on it. Glad I didn't do that. But now I'm like, well, it's going to be Wierenski, right? I got to get a Wierenski jersey. And, and I, I also have an opinion that I think if he wants it, the C is Wierenski's. So anyway, we're going to hear a quick word from our friends of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, and I will be right back with you. Hello, my name is Richard Blosser, host of the Grit and Barrett podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Covering the Hershey Bears, the 11-time Calder Cup champions of the American Hockey League, and the 2018 Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. Each Tuesday, I recap Bears games, give you Bears news, notes, and nuggets, and all of the hockey news that matters to me, whether it's the American Hockey League, the NHL, or banter about hockey jerseys. This hack brings you high energy. They score! Connor McMichael has ended the game! Unfiltered. Look, Herco's really going to have to work hard to bring back the fan base from this pandemic because you can't just rely on vaccinations. You have a fan base that is old, stubborn, and very reluctant to change. Not to mention you got to work on bringing back families and then whatever fan base you can try and get back from other parts of the state. You just can't rely on people coming out from 81 and 78. You got to work on a hand fan base that's very, very hesitant to change. And at times, unfocused. Look, Ovechkin is basically the guy who comes into the bar, kicks open the door, and says, Who ordered a white Russian, huh? Well, we all know Sidney Crosby is the guy who enters in from the side door, red carpet, VIP, Armani suits, and alligator shoes. That's just the type of guys they are. So join me every Tuesday here on the Hockey Podcast Network for the Grit and Barrett Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Grit and Barrett P1. That's Grit, G-R-I-T, and B-E-A-R-I-T-P-1. 
on Twitter. Available wherever you get all your podcasts. Part of the Hockey Podcast Network. And we're back, folks. All right. So, uh, the Blue Jackets made a couple signings in free agency, none that were that big a deal. One was the uh, Gavin Bayreuther being re-signed in Columbus. So, you guys have heard my theory as to why I said I think Seattle might have taken him. Um, the other emerging story that, that seems to be the accepted one around the hockey world, and I'll probably just go with this. Because, again, mine, I always said it was a conspiracy. It, just not, it wasn't a conspiracy. It was just a theory based on just what came together in my head was that uh, Seattle wanted the freedom of contracts to move around, um, that they had lots of defensemen, so adding a Dean Kukin might have been difficult for them. I, I still don't understand why you don't just pick up Max Domi and flip him for a fourth. I, I honestly don't know. What team in this league, I mean, just get Max Domi. You're not going to be at the cap. Keep him on you know, injured reserve, and then when he's healthy, let him play for a, a couple, few weeks. And try and move him at the deadline for something. And if you don't get anything, then you have the nothing you had now. I I don't I still don't understand it. Um, but I mean that's the story that they're saying it was had to do with contractual freedom. I don't know. But hey, we got Gavin Bayruther. He's on a two year deal. Good for him. Uh, he's gonna be what what's his deal? He's got like one year where it's a two way deal, meaning if he's in Columbus, he makes seven hundred fifty thousand. If he's in uh. If he's in uh, Cleveland, I think he makes 300000 And then the second year of the deal, he has a one-way deal. Now, that doesn't mean he can't be sent down. What it means is no matter where he is, he will make his 750000 So good for him. Um, I mean, hockey is a weird thing. Pro sports are a weird thing uh, because we have this idea that all pro sport athletes are just fabulously wealthy, multi-billionaire, you know, multi-millionaires, that sort of thing. And again, I, I am with you. I would love to be Gavin Bayreuther and make, you know, $300,000 for a year's work. I don't make that. But uh, the reality is this skill set that he has spent his whole life developing, he's 27 and he's getting a two-year deal. And, you know, after that, maybe he gets another deal. Maybe he doesn't. So he's making a few hundred thousand a year here, a few hundred thousand a year there. You know, if he's playing with his money right, this I mean, this could set him up really well for a long time. I don't know what his education levels or anything else are, but good for him. Uh, I want him to make the money he can. Uh, this is the kind of thing, too, you notice when you watch things like uh, when you look at NFL things, like the average NFL player, the average NFL running back doesn't make it four years. A lot of those guys are in the hundreds of thousands, and they do that for about four or five years. And then if you don't have, you know, well, a lot of guys run into problems there where they don't even have the financial training to, like, how do I handle making that much money in a short period of time to set myself up for a long period of success? I don't know. Uh, Blue Jackets signed free agent. Uh, Sean, what was it? Sean Curley. Uh, he's a center. He played for Boston. He really is going to slot in as like our third or fourth line center. His numbers, uh, according to, over the last three years, uh, according to Evolving Hockey, he's kind of a 20th, percentile offensive center 28th percentile defensive center um he doesn't really excel in anything he's just kind of fine in a couple of ways last year he was much more strong defensively this isn't a contract i feel real strongly about um with the four-year deal he's only making 2.5 a year 
uh, where a lot of people like it is that he is a Columbus area guy originally. So the idea of bringing more Ohioans home is cool. I don't think that was probably part of the decision. I think part of the decision for the Blue Jackets was they don't just want to be marching a team of just young guys out there. They want to have some uh, kind of established NHL guys on the team to surround, to, to have in the locker room with rookies. Um, the one complaint I will take about this contract that I understand is people saying, well, this is going to keep them from having roles for other guys. I don't think it will. Uh, Cause when you look at this roster right now, I mean, Sean Curley is going to be what our third line center. So, I mean, we've still got to slot in three other centers on this team. Max Domi won't be healthy until like December at the earliest. A lot of young guys are going to get time on this team, fellas. Uh, everyone, it's just going to be, it's going to be a long season there. Um, uh, that's that's my feeling right now. As we get closer to the season, we'll start doing more like previews of how I think the season's going to go. Spoiler: If you're somebody sitting there going, "Ah, we're going to make it back to the playoffs this year," I don't agree with you, but that's that's where we are. All right. Uh, probably one more topic before we edit this week. And it has to do with these, with these, uh, so Evander Kane, if you're not familiar with Evander Kane, uh, you know, really talented winger for the San Jose Sharks, uh, had a rough time in Winnipeg, then was traded to Buffalo, didn't really excel there, there, but then again, who does excel in what Buffalo? So he then trades to Chicago, to, uh, San Jose, where he actually starting to look like what you thought he would be. He's a good scoring winger. He's a great, he's a really good player. Um, Either last year or the year before, he actually had to, he essentially declared bankruptcy. And part of the issue is the guy's got some gambling issues. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to judge somebody for gambling because I don't have this Puritan moralism about gambling that other people do. But I will say if you declare bankruptcy and in your bankruptcy papers, you're like, well, you know, I lost some money gambling. That, that's something that needs to be get under control. So I don't know what he's doing in that regard, but his currently separated wife, I believe uh, the way he put it in another thing, soon to be ex-wife made an allegation on some social media platform. I want to say it was Instagram uh, essentially saying that uh, he had bet on games, bet on bet on NHL games and bet on games he played in. Well, as you can guess, the NHL jumped all over this. They said there will be a full investigation. They will be on it. Uh, the integrity of the game is the most important thing to the sport, all of that. Now, this is relatively simple for me as far as the actual allegation concerns. If the NHL finds evidence and can determine that Evander Kane bet on NHL games, I think he kind of got to follow the Pete Rose model. I think he's out for life. Because there's just a reality of, as a fan, you can't be watching a game thinking to yourself, huh, I wonder if any of these guys have money on it and if that's going to affect what happens. Because that's going to hurt you two places. It's going to hurt you with the fans. And two, it's going to hurt you with all these emerging betting markets going on. Because if you're betting money on a game, you don't want to know that a player who can actually affect the outcome of the game also has money on that game. It's just not good for the sport overall. That's pretty simple. Um, and I understand some people now want Pete Rose to be reinstated to baseball. My view has always been, and it's part of it because I'm a Reds fan, I want him reinstated, but for a long time now, my view has been what you do is when, whenever he passes, whenever he sheds this mortal coil, 
then you say, okay, if they want to elect him to the Hall of Fame, we will drop any ban on that. Uh, and I think the message that, and I don't think that would hurt the message that is sent because the message that would be sent is if you are a player in a sport and you choose to bet on your sport, you are out. You are out for the remainder of your life. If you if you die and you were good enough to have been in the Hall of Fame based on what you did, then you can get in, but you'll never see it. And that's my viewpoint. Um, so it's just it's just that that's the idea there. Anyway, now the bigger part I want to talk about in this. Uh, so a lot of people on Twitter immediately went to, "Oh, you're doing this, but you're just ignoring what's happening with the Chicago Blackhawks." If you are not aware of what's going on with the Chicago Blackhawks, go Google a story about it. Essentially, there are allegations and a pretty good amount of witnesses who are alleging that some pretty, again, I'm keeping the show safe for families, so go Google the story, but some really bad things happened under the Chicago Blackhawks watch that were done from a coach against a player and that the team did not handle it correctly and that that coach ended up coaching younger players later and the, the Blackhawks were never open about what happened. And that that's awful. That is completely terrible. First thing I want to say, there is no moral equivalency between the two actions. Betting on a sport that you are in versus harming people under your care. Obviously, the harming people under your care, from a moral perspective, is infinitely worse. It is a terrible thing to do. It is awful. It is the kind of thing where, you know... I mean, based on the allegations, it's the kind of thing people go to jail for. Whereas betting on a sport you're in, it's not great. Uh, the the re- but but let's talk about it this way. So, I get I get where people get that in their heads, but this is where something I like to to talk about sometimes is we have to understand what different roles for different things are in society. Um, and some some of you may want to turn me off whenever I say these things, but. I'm going to use the example of where I work for a large financial institution. Uh, It is a bank large enough that if I said the name, everyone listening would know it, especially if you live in the United States. I won't say it because they have all these policies about you don't want to say in any public forum that you work for us because then people might interpret that you're speaking for us, which is not true. I would never, I don't speak for them. I do a job, but I don't, I'm not PR or anything crazy like that. So let me put it in this term. If at my company, we had a problem with someone creating a, uh, uh, workplace environment of harassment. We have a way of handling that. We have an internal HR team. We have a, uh, you know, so HR would look into things. They would do an investigation. If they saw something criminal had happened, there would be references to the correct authorities to come in and look at that. That would be done. But here's the thing. Those things happen at all sorts of different workplaces. Um, things that are either harassment or even maybe attain to a criminal level. But if it is one employee against another, and again, I'm not trying to minimize what happened. I'm just trying to talk about why a corporation talks about it in certain terms. Then it is something where you handle that. You don't take the fact you don't, you, in my company, say one person, say uh, one of my coworkers just straight up punched me in the face and then kicked me in the, in the stomach and I was hurting and it was bad. You know what my company would do? There would be HR action, then that employee would be fired, and then there would be references for criminal uh, prosecution if need be, or if I push for that or anything like that. Guess what they wouldn't do? They would not take out, do press releases saying, 
this company fires employee for being a jerk and punching the guy in the face. That's not what they're going to do. They're not going to push that front and center. But if the allegations against my financial company were such that it was something along the lines of X financial company is said to be, uh, I don't know, lying about the value of the loans they hold, lying about the quality of the loans they hold, making some kind of lie about how we're actually doing business and what might affect things like our investors and people doing business with us. You can bet any measure of that investigation where they were like, no, 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 that's not true. And they would play. And if, if there was somebody to blame, that person would be put on display and made a public shaming house. That's what would happen. Because the infraction in that case is something that affects specifically the, the, the product, what you're getting. So that's, I mean, that's a different story. It's a different event. It's the same thing like if at McDonald's, you know, a, a manager, uh, if they were mean to an employee or, again, created a hostile work environment. Yeah, if that happened, McDonald's would fire the employee. But if all of a sudden there were widespread allegations that, I don't know, McDonald's, uh, I, I'm not going to say, but that, like somebody did something to the food. If there were those allegations, McDonald's would flip over backwards to try and publicize, no, the food is safe, the food is fine. We do all these health things to make sure the food is good. Why? Because that affects the product that empl- that customers are going to buy. Again, none of this is condoning or saying what happened in Chicago was okay. Not at all. It was terrible. But companies have to handle these situations differently based on what's happened. And that that's what I'm trying to say. So I, I understand because we live in a society where actions like what happened in Chicago for so long have been swept under the rug by things and different and large organizations that want to keep squeaky clean images that people get upset when it doesn't seem like those organizations are doing enough, but comparing how the NHL is handling the Evander Kane allegation to what is going on in Chicago is comparing apples to oranges as far as those companies are concerned. So that's, that's my viewpoint on it. Um, If you want to interact with me on Twitter, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm an idiot. I mean, don't tell me I'm an idiot. Let's try and be civil about stuff. Something, Oh goodness. Something I have learned recently. I, I just, I mean, that's not that I learned it recently, but I just want to incorporate it more is when we have interactions trying to be, you know, smart and, 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 and discuss things. And when you enter into a conversation with somebody about a topic, you are trying to learn why they have the view they have. And then after you fully, after you fully understand what you think their view is, then go at it as far as, okay, now I'm going to try and convince you if I still think you're wrong. So that's where I'm at, folks. Um, that being said, sorry for the tirade. Overall, as far as my Blue Jackets fandom this week, it was awesome because the draft reinvigorated my my confidence in this franchise. We got Zach signed in long-term. I think I even said it on last week's show that the next thing I wanted to do was sign Zach long-term and keep him for when these young guys start getting good. Because if you have him in place, if you have that number one D in place, then when these young guys you've drafted start paying off, things could be great. So. Thank you very much for watching, listening, however you do it. Please like, comment, subscribe, share it with people. If there's somewhere you can rate a podcast and you can rate us, please do so. We appreciate it. Thank you all very much. And go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief. And thank you for listening.